add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of The Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Welcome to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry Folks, on today's podcast we're going to cover a fascinating topic Something that nearly every influencer, every fitness professional, trainer, um, newspaper, book, promotes, talks about, discusses pretty much every week. It's very difficult to turn a page or turn on Instagram without someone talking about fat loss and how you can lose loads and loads of body fat absolutely instantly without any pain whatsoever or with some supplement or some magical way to do it. So on the Real Health Podcast, we like to dispel any myths, make things very simple, and we like to bring in some experts to help us do it. So I'm delighted to be joined in studio by dietitian Orla Walsh, her second time on the Real Health Podcast. Orla, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on again. How's it going? Good, I'm delighted to be here. It means I didn't do a bad job the first time, you know? <laughs> Not at all. I thought maybe I was invited back to apologise for the first time. So, no, it's good. No, you were here with on, on show four or show five. It was one of the early, early episodes. Early episodes, yeah. yeah. So we've come a long way. Um, okay, the topic, fat loss. It is possibly the, the fitness industry's biggest promotion, yeah. maybe biggest sell, well, biggest push, uh, biggest potential fad or biggest gimmick in some respects. I want to talk through... Some kind of common myths that you know that you you've seen in the industry, why they're a myth, why they actually don't work, and then towards the end of the session, we'll you know we'll cover simple ways for our listeners that they can actually lose body fat, um, that actually work as well. So, like, what are the common common myths that you see and come across? Well, there's lots. There's so many, but um, I think that fat loss. That is, I, I think people are promoting quick solutions to fat loss and it's actually a much slower process than you think. And a lot of these uh, quick diets or these week longs or two weeks things or even just a few days then you're you're just losing water and carbohydrate initially. So are you losing much fat? Probably not. And then when it's extreme, you're probably losing muscle as well. So the problem with losing fat and muscle together is that you just become a smaller version of yourself. So you don't become a leaner version. And I think what people are after is that leaner look or a, a leaner version of themselves. So it does take time and there's no quick fix. Okay, so one of the benefits of training, obviously, when you do exercise is to promote lean muscle growth. That Absolutely. you have lean muscle and tissue on the body. And for women listening, and just in case you're concerned or worried, muscle doesn't mean you're going to turn into some, a big power lifter. Yeah. That's not the goal. Uh, women it's often do. It's extremely hard for women to it, gain muscle. Exactly. And they're often kind of afraid of that. So, you know, yeah. exercising, lifting weights, doing some form of resistance training or body weight workouts um, is will promote muscle growth and lean muscle tissue on the body. Yeah, and what it will do is it'll help preserve your muscle mass when you're losing weight as well. That combined with adequate protein at each of your meals. So if you have adequate protein at each of your meals and you do resistance training during the uh, weight loss process, or fat loss, should I say, you'll preserve that muscle and uh, you'll just lose mainly fat. And that gives people the, I guess, the visual that they want at the end of it. Okay, so I suppose that's the first myth, which is 
it's not just pure diet. It's not just pure cardio. Uh, so just, yeah. you know, some people think it's, it's all running or it's all cross training or whatever. Uh, you need to, in terms of your lean muscle tissue, use it or lose it. Is Absolutely. It's an easy way to summarize and it. And it's the same with your bones. It will help pre- uh, preserve your bone mass uh, when when losing weight as well, which is, is incredibly important. Okay, so if you want to lose body fat, first of all, we're gonna, you, you'll, you'll have to look at your food. You'll have to do some resistance training and probably some cardiovascular training on top of that as a combination of kind of three <laughs> things, not just one on as its own. As well as look at your lifestyle. So right. you, 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 you can't, for example, not consider sleep. So if you're getting, just say, under seven hours sleep. So with sleep, you're talking about quality and quantity. So quantity is how many hours. Quality is how many times you wake up across the night. And quality is also how rested do you feel in the morning out of 10. You know, that's what quality is. And if you're getting too little sleep, what will happen is your body will hold on to a bit more fat and lose a little bit more muscle. So, you know, that's what the evidence shows. So it is important to make sure that you're sleeping well during this process. It's not the best fat loss tip you've ever heard. Sleep more for fat loss. Who doesn't want to sleep more, A, and who doesn't want to lose some body fat? But it is a crucial thing. And we've had sleep experts on the show. Deirdre McSweeney is a sleep expert we've had on she's all about tech free bedrooms uh, you know uh, know, darkening the room making a very calm environment very calm place yeah um and again it's getting seven or eight hours really good quality but it's about that routine as well so you ask people what time do they wake up in the morning and they'll be very particular they'll be like 10 to 7 but then when you ask them what time they go to bed they'll be oh between 10 and 12 you know it's too vague so it's really really important to get the bedtime at a set time and uh, get up at the same time in, in the morning as well so it's nearly like two alarms mm-hmm. the first alarm to tell you to go to bed and the second alarm telling you to get up so that is really important as well as not having caffeine in nearly the 12 hours before your bedtime 12. Yeah, I see you with a cup of coffee there, is it? Tea. Oh, I it's love tea. tea. <laughs> it's been a busy day. I've been going up since five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, well, that is busy. Um, so it's medicinal then. Um, the so 12 thing, hours. Yeah, so caffeine has a half-life of around seven hours. So if you just say had a coffee at three or a cup of tea at three, um, and then it's the same as going to bed and having half a cup of coffee or half a cup of tea because if you have that cup of coffee or cup of tea at three o'clock it'll still be half there at ten o'clock wow so that will affect your sleep and even though the people are claiming oh I can still go to sleep it's still fine you might be able to but it will affect deep sleep of course the quality of the sleep is massively compromised quality yeah Okay, so sleep for fat loss, a caffeine in terms of sleep 12 hours before your bedtime. Folks, just take yeah. that one in for a second, 12 hours. Whatever time you go to bed. If the it's cutoff is usually 10 or 11. Yeah, that's going to be an early yeah. morning coffee and that's a, or an early morning tea. And Breakfast that's a, and that's another about the hype quickie before, <laughs> before the 10 a.m. hits. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk, um, let's talk supplements then. So yeah. this is another big I suppose, bugbear of mine. It's become yeah. really trendy to have all of the supplements, massive recommendations, yeah. not just for fat loss, but also for health. In terms of fat loss, I suppose what's been recommended and are they good? Are they not good? Or what's your thoughts? Well, none of them work. Like put it this way, Carl, if there was supplements that helped with fat loss, I'd be taking them. <laughs> OK, I'm not going to lie. I would definitely be taking them. But there isn't, you know, there's not research there. Like some of them, I remember there was one years ago and I'm not even going to say the supplement name because what I fear is that people go oh I'll go out and try it and I might be an outlier but it, it left it the, the, the research showed that after six months you lost 120 grams of fat what I know grams grams so like that's not significant in any way and it's you know you could 
you could lose that in a week through a bit of healthier eating. Yeah, yeah. So it, they don't work. They're all a con. And the problem with a lot of the weight loss supplements as well is that there's it's not a case of they might do you some good. It's a case of, well, actually, are they doing you harm? Like there was one years ago that was taken off. Um, taken off the market because it actually increased the risk of suicide. So, like, you're not talking about, oh, like, they might work. You know, they might do you a huge amount of harm. Um, and irreversible harm. They can, you know, people have died from kidney issues and liver issues um, and basically organ failure associated with taking dodgy weight loss pills off the internet. It's extremely uh, unsafe. And if they are safe and sold over the counter, they probably don't work. Wow. I would go as far as that. Frank, stark, <laughs> honest, brutally honest. I love when you come into the studio because you're so straight. You just call it as it I is. I don't get splinters in my bum <laughs> from sitting on the fence. Just put it that way. <laughs> okay, so supplements, if someone's advertising for fat loss, don't take them. Don't be conned don't by it. Bother. Save your money and just Save no, your money for more vegetables. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk then. Okay, apple cider vinegar. Oh, yeah. I've seen this push for fat loss. I drink it because I like it. I like acidics. I love the taste of it anyway. And I find it flavors my water, which is nice. And I just like the taste of it. I find it actually yeah. quite refreshing. I'd be a bit odd in that regard. But. No, I know. I actually got uh, delivered some recently. I was like, better bring that to Carl. Um, <laughs> there's no evidence behind it. At all? So, <clears throat> no, no. I, I did a, um, a lit research. So looked at all the scientific papers and there actually was none. Like, it's not like it's... There was loads of decent papers showing that it works. I don't know how the buzz for it started. At the moment, in terms of the research, there is none. So therefore, it's just a tasty condiment. But when, you know, I, I'm not saying that in five years we won't have any evidence, but I'm saying at the moment we have none. Like it's a tasty condiment. That's it. Do you know? So but uh, people swear by it and they swear it does loads of wonderful things for them. I think with the thing about apple cider vinegar, it, it probably won't, it won't do you any harm. So if you think it does you benefit, they're all well and good, fire ahead and keep using it. Um, but I'm not saying to anyone to use it because there's no evidence to say that it does a damn thing. So there could very much be the placebo effect there, there could, which is you take it, it and you feel, you feel healthier because yeah. you just feel you're part of the buzz and part, you know, yeah. but, and it makes you, you feel healthier, but actually. And it might lead on to other healthier behaviours. Yeah, but there's no scientific evidence behind it Yeah, currently. but the placebo is a wonderful thing. So they've even shown that um, using the placebo that people can lift heavier weights. And even when they tell them that they're actually taking a placebo, they still lift heavier weights taking at this pill. So it's amazing how people's minds work. Um, so, you know, if you f swear by it, by all means, continue to drink it. But I'm not advocating people go out and spend their money on it. OK. Another myth I've come across is training in the morning on yeah. an empty stomach that burns more fat. Yes or no? Yeah, so I wouldn't be against that. Um, but what I would encourage people to do is if you're going to do that, do it properly and um, train low. So what train low means is tra train on low carbohydrate stores. So, for example, if people really wanted good results and going to put the effort in and they don't have things like type 1 diabetes or they're not pregnant and such, I would encourage that person to maybe consider to say one night doing high intensity exercise, then having no carbohydrates after just having protein and veg, you know, for your dinner and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then waking up in the morning, just having water and going and doing a long, slow 
cardio session. So yeah, lists basically long, uh, low intensity, steady state. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. I didn't know there was a word for it though. It's back. It's like the new trendy thing. It's fascinating. It oh my god, it's so interesting. <laughs> so it's been around for like ever. Yeah. And we've promoted forever. So for example, fast walking is list trading. So if you're oh, no slightly way. out of breath, you're fast walking. So my walking it's to work. List sort of. I'm like list is the new hit. It's like the new buzzword. Oh and, no and way! Yeah, I didn't know it was trendy by accident. It's another reinvention of yeah. uh, of age old things that work, and it's now this because yeah. it's trendy and cool. Well, if you you see what the thing is, if you do hit, just say the night before, so high intensity exercise, you you burn through the um, carbohydrate stores in your muscles, and um, then you don't replace that carbohydrate afterwards. You just have protein and veg overnight. The carbohydrate in your liver and your muscles goes down further. You wake up in the morning. You're not stimulating carbohydrate metabolism by eating. You're just having water. Then you do this exercise, and what happens during that exercise is your body goes, oh, there's not enough carbohydrate to do this exercise, so it has to learn to use your fat. So that's kind of the theory behind it. So training um, low, people often think of it as training hungry, but it's not. It's actually training on low carbohydrate stores. So the idea is that it makes you better at using carbohydrates as well as using your own fat. Okay. So it's it's really good in a kind of longer distance exercise as well. Um, so I, I would encourage some people to do that in certain circumstances. Okay, great. Um, anything else when people come into your clinic um, talking about that they followed or that they've tried or even like certain diets like the chicken and broccoli one is one I've seen oh, yeah. there was certain trainers around the country I'm not going to mention them uh, but we've had a couple of, the, of their clients in mm. and they're like what was your diet well I had chicken and broccoli uh, like five times a day I'm like oh no I know it's so grim and um, I actually made um, national headline news and all the the only thing I said was chicken and uh, broccoli is not nom nom and that was my only <laughs> phrase in the headline news I was like that is so embarrassing but it's not it's not tasty it's miserable and you know all these quick fixes they are just that because what will happen is it'll be a natural rebound effect where afterwards you'll be going okay and you, you, it hasn't addressed the underlying issue as well like it's a band-aid so you know you don't want a band-aid solution you actually want to cause find the root cause of this and it's much more than just, oh, what am I eating? What am I not eating? It's it's why are you doing all these things? So there's a lot of behaviors that you have to tackle. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I wouldn't be a fan of these quick fixes. And I wouldn't be a fan of these boiled chicken and boiled... Like, it's just miserable. Like, you don't have to be miserable to lose weight. And final one before we get into the tips. Um, it's one we get asked all the time on Instagram uh, and in terms of the show emails that come in, intermittent fasting. Oh, I knew you were going to come in. So intermittent fasting, there's loads of different ways to do it. Um, so in research, you know, sometimes it's a case of every other day people just don't eat. Um, I suppose one of the more famous ones was 5-2, where you mm -hmm. eat normally on five days and fast on two days. Um, but now what's coming into the more kind of, um, I suppose, into social media as well is what's called the 16-8. So it's basically you eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner within eight hours and then you don't eat for eight hours and then you sleep for eight hours. So the, oh, yeah, the okay. day is broken up to three eight-hour periods. Um, so I think that works for a lot of people and it's, it's much more doable in the long term than 5-2 or every other day you fast or something like that. Um, and it's probably going to result in less negative implications than um, some of the others. It's a more balanced approach. It is. And I think what would be more balanced again, instead of 16-8, people went 14-10. So, you know, where they might have their breakfast at work, but then they get home and have the family dinner in the evening mm -hmm. time. So therefore, they're not missing out on that social 
aspect of eating and, and food, which is incredibly important as well. So I think, you know, I, I kind of advocate the 1410 for a lot of people, but again, not for everyone. So when you're an athlete and training a lot, preserving your muscle or making sure you get the most of your adaptations is crucial. And um, some people who are training a lot need a big protein feed before bed. So um, what they would usually need for breakfast, lunch and dinner, other meals, they actually need twice that going to bed. So um, and again, when it comes to maybe the over 60s, where you actually preserving muscle mass and um, and bone mass is in harder and more important. Um, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that, too, because, again, they need a big protein feed before bed. Okay, so basically, in terms of an intermittent fasting, it is for people who don't know what it is. It's just different times of eating and not eating. Yeah. Five two made, did, has made it very trendy and very cool. I've seen loads of different variants. I've seen four hours. I've seen two hour windows of eating, yeah. and a twenty two not. I know with our, our own clients, we generally start with twelve. Yeah. Says, you know what? Just to get them into routine of bre- of eating within start with that. I think that's a really normal good enough idea. window. Yeah. Um, and giving your body kind of twelve hours just to process the food but well, the, the three eight the three eight are low I, I like that eight hours of sleep eight hours of, of not eating and eight hours of eating that's yeah. quite cool yeah and i think um the 10 14 is very doable for most people um you know and like you don't want to it, you see you can't say it for everyone because it's just not going to suit everyone you know um but it would suit a lot of people that way of eating and it's also giving people discipline around around health Listen, which is important i think the most important thing is is that they don't have free reign in the evening. So yeah. it's evening eaters, you know, it's evening evening eating that is making people overweight. So I think having a rule where after seven you're not allowed to eat is nearly, a, it's a good idea for a lot of people because that's when they're munching on things that they, they don't need. And they're they're taking in excess calories that they don't need and they're, that's what's leading to their weight gain. So having a rule that you don't eat after dinner is, is very it's very good rule for a lot of people and it can sometimes help people sleep better. Um, you know, there are other benefits f- from it. And you see, if you don't eat a lot of food in the evening, what it leads to is a big breakfast. Of course. Because you're is... hungry when you wake up. Because mm-hmm. anyone who goes, oh, I'm not hungry at breakfast time or I feel a bit sick in the morning. I'm like, you're overeating in the evening time, probably. You know, so that's one of the more common reasons. Every Sunday on social media, I do my Sunday lists. I'm going to oh, yeah. rob that um, for next week's one, if that's allowed, which is no no, no snacking or no eating after like eight or maybe seven. Eight's a bit friendlier. Maybe eight yeah. o'clock for people to start with. I think it's really eight good. Eight is very doable for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think having that cut off is, is really good for someone's mindset. Fantastic. You know, and I think sometimes when people have binge eating disorder, um, they tend to binge at, in the evening time, at night time. And sometimes they find it, beneficial to go okay well I eat my dinner at work and then I leave and I don't because they don't want to open the floodgates at home Mm -hmm. so it just gives them an element um, of control back Folks, you're listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me Carl Henry I'm delighted to be joined by Orla Walsh in studio today Fascinating so far, really interesting really, really good Um, Top five tips, okay, for people listening in who want to lose some body fat because when you're losing weight, that's what we want you to lose ideally, maintain your muscle to lose fat. Actually, I'm going to ask you one more question, just, yeah. to, just to get your opinion out. Keto? No, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, two questions there. Keto's going to be one of them. Muscle versus fat. There's a huge, even amongst fitness professionals, yeah. myself included, when uh, people come along and they say, oh, I'm not losing weight because um, muscle weighs more than fat. My opinion is it doesn't. That a pound of muscle is the same as a pound of fat, but it, muscle is denser 
But yeah. for a pound is a pound is a pound. I'm dying to know your opinion on this. It's, it's one of those funny ones. It's just like, <laughs> listen, a litre is a litre. You know, a, a pound is a pound, a kilo is a kilo. So it's just like you said, it, it's a denser. In other words, it takes up less room in the body. Yeah. OK, brilliant. Yeah. Sorted. We've set we've set the record straight there. <laughs> it's so common, but you don't want to correct people. You it's don't unbelievable. To, I know. So, yeah. It gets, at least once a week, it gets said to you by somebody. And I'm like, no, that is not. No, that's nothing to do with not losing weight. You, they weigh the exact same. Uh, yeah. So that's really important. OK, sorry. Now, top five tips. So listeners who want to lose a little bit of fat, which is the goal when you're training, what can they do? Well, the first thing is don't focus on the number and scales. Just like even if you do this without weighing yourself and um, this whole weight loss process will probably be better because it, you, people have too much emotion attached to that number. And plus the focus is on that number and not everything else. Like your weight is only a reflection of your lifestyle in the same way your energy levels are or your sleep or even your clothes are or, um, you know, how you feel about travel. These are all symptoms of your lifestyle. The healthier your lifestyle, the more positive all these other symptoms are. So what I'd encourage people is to look beyond the scales and look at all the other things. Chart their energy, chart their sleep, chart their mood, chart, um, you know, because if, for example, they you know when you're losing weight if you couldn't shop in just say um, some of the high street shops and all of a sudden you're fitting into their clothes then you're definitely losing weight so I think that number has too much meaning to people and it's at the centre of their progress and it's the not it's not the only measurable factor um, so I'd encourage people to look away from weight and maybe even go I'm going to lose weight and I'm not going to check it Love it. or okay. even spend a year not looking at their weight so look at the bigger picture. Measure other things about your health, Be such as your sleep. Be much more holistic yeah. about it. Love yeah, it. absolutely. Um, I know I said it before, but look out for blind spots. Before we talked about blind spots on the last podcast, and it was all about kind of, you know, what are you eating that you don't realize you're eating, like picking out the kids' dinners and that sort of thing. Um, but I would actually look out for blind spots and look out for things that are leading to the weight loss. And sometimes it's, it's, it's nearly the people that you're hanging around with. So, for example, I had someone in this week and he said to me, he says, great, I'm no longer the friend that people go to because they want to eat bad food. So he was the friend that people like, let's get Chinese and watch X Factor or <laughs> let's go out for a few beers. And he was that person. And now he's a person of, oh, do you want to go for a hill walk or a walk? And, you know, you kind of have to look at all the people in your life and who is positively influencing your health and who's negatively. And if they're negatively influencing your health, you have to take ownership of where the fault lies with you as well. Um, so I would look out for all of those things that are making a big impact, such as um, even leaving uh, work hungry. So if you leave work hungry, you're going to arrive home hungry and you're going to eat in an uncontrolled fashion. So it's it's all these little things. And um, so those blind spots that you haven't been paying attention to that are really making probably the biggest impact. Okay. So tip, so tip two is very much reflection. It's yeah. looking at the issues that are causing you to gain fat, to be overweight, to be unhealthy and fixing them. Yeah, that's, you know, which, and any it's fascinating. Any topic we've covered on the show over the last 24, 25 eps, very much, whether it's emotional health, physical health, weight health, uh, fat loss, whatever. It's the same reflection comes into all of them. It's every single expert hits it yeah. and says, reflect. You've got to look at stuff, analyze it and fix it. My and favorite way to teach people reflection is just ask themselves, what, so what, now what? So those three questions. So what, so what, now what about everything? And it 
what people hone in on is the negative stuff. And you're like, no, no, no. You need to reflect on why you're doing the positive things too. Because if you understand why you're doing the positive things, you can then use that behavior on something else. So you reflect on both what you feel is the good and the bad bits. Love it. Great. Tip three. Um, tip three has to be three meals of equal size. Like none of this tiny breakfast, medium lunch, huge dinner nonsense. You know, you need to eat your fuel when you need it. And we most of us need it more in the first half of the day than the second half of the day. So if there is going to be one big meal, it's breakfast. And if there is going to be one small meal, it's dinner. But for most people, the first step is make the three meals of equal size. So don't have breakfast bowls and breakfast plates and dinner bowls and dinner plates. They should be the same. You want three medium meals and balance them the same way. I know we said that last time where half the plate is fruit and veg, a quarter is pro protein and quarters carbs but those three meals have to be equal size and bring in a fourth meal depending on goals if it's just a muscle gain or some other things but for most people three meals a day is plenty okay great um the fourth one has to be sleep because when sleep goes awry everything goes awry it is the absolute foundation of health you know um if you're low in energy you're not going to have the motivation to eat well or the motivation to exercise and like i said before it will actually change how you lose weight so it'll make you lose more fat or more muscle and uh lose more muscle and uh, hold on to some of the fat like and it has a big impact on our food choices and our cravings and lots. So do focus in your sleep, look at quality and quantity, but no one, and I mean no one, is okay on less than seven hours, despite what they might think. Love it. Okay, um, more, more sleep is probably the nicest fat loss tip you'll ever hear from anybody, actually. In all fairness, who doesn't want to get into bed and sleep a little bit more? I'm obsessed with sleep. Um, <laughs> I got new pajamas the other day and I'm still thinking about them. I just love evening times. Um, so the fifth one has to be find alternative re rewards. And I know I said this before and people get really offended by it, but stop rewarding yourself with food. You're not a dog. So when when it comes to these things, just find alternative rewards, find alternative comforters and find alternative energizers. And what you need to do when you're finding these three things is you need to consider three things, how much time you have, where you are and how much money you have. So um, a reward for me is getting my nails done, but I can't do that when I'm in work. You know, a comforter for me might be lighting a candle, getting into my jammies earlier and reading a book, but I can't do that at work. So you have to think how much money do you have, how much time and your environment, but you have to find alternative rewards, comforters and energizers. My favorite thing to do is to time people. They get a minute to write down their favorite rewards, comforters and energizers when it comes to food. And then they get a minute to do it with non-food items. And you can imagine okay. which list is longer. There is a nice challenge, listeners. Uh, one minute, uh, start the clock and write down both the food and non-food related. And give us the three titles again. Rewards, comforters and energizers. Rewards, comforters and energizers. And have a look what does it Because people go to town on the food ones and they're they very do. specific. Do you know, the way that they talk about chocolate is real dirty, like it's real, <laughs> you know. And they'd be, very, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, I, I, I take the chocolate off and then I eat the centre. And they, you know, they get very specific about it. But then I'm thinking, OK, well, what are your non-food ones? And they just draw a blank. And they keep on going, oh, does coffee count? And I said, non, you know, non-food, does alcohol? No, no, you know. And you just have to find your own ones. I know what works for me, but like my ones are not necessarily going to work for you. So I would encourage people to think of their non-food rewards especially. Okay, so set your targets at the start of the week. Set some kind of reward at the end of the week when you've, when you've slept better, when you've had your, you know, your three meals, 
and you've done the tips, then put the rewards in place towards the end of the week for a Saturday or a Sunday. And those doesn't have to be food, could be a book, could be a pair of socks, could be, yeah, well, I like socks. I like Lord. running socks. Yeah. That yeah. like really colourful. Is that really sad? Yeah. Well, no, I was I was going to tell you where to buy the best ones. Um, no, I'm very opinionated on that as well. Um, and with the energizers, I'd encourage people to think about ones that they can do while in work, because it's work when you get when people often get stressed or tired. Um, so think about ones that you can do in work, whether it's five minutes outside brisk walk around the block just wakes me up and energizes me you know um sometimes it seems mad but i actually close my clinic door lock it line the ground and listen to motown i don't know why that combination works it's really odd it just works for me and like it just really just just sends me out you know it, it gets my stress levels back to zero and I love the simplicity of uh, four seven breathing like breathing in for four out for seven you know those belly breaths and um, because that's something you can do when people are in front of you and they don't even know you're doing it so it's finding what works for you what comforts you in work what energizes you in work and what rewards like can you use in work without it being food so fifth tip is very much a lifestyle tip yeah. so in terms of people tuning in I'm sure you didn't expect tips like that. We haven't mentioned supplements. We haven't mentioned, you know, excessive anything. We've mentioned balance. We've yeah. mentioned measuring. We've mentioned sleep. Uh, you know, they're simple things that will work and you will actually lose fat over a period of time. I had a fascinating um, bit of research yesterday. We did, were doing a conference and for the first time ever, I got the group I was telling to, to stand because the conference was about mental health. And I was like, okay, well, here's a new bit of research I've done. And your heart rate increases by 10 beats per minute. When you stand, you wow. burn an average of 50 calories an hour more purely by standing in a room. Amazing, yeah. And then there was an equation in the research that I come across, which was in terms of, they put it in terms of weight, in terms of pounds that you could lose between eight pounds-ish uh, just by standing before between one and two hours every single day yeah. over the course of a year. And why I bring it up now is that the point of today's uh, podcast is the fact that you're going to be absolutely inundated with advertising with influencer yeah. posts that word i hate so much um but with, with all of the, the the you know the the whole industry of health has very much become fat loss and supplements and hardcore yeah. their gimmicks and their short-term quick fixes long-term health and long-term fat loss is that lifestyle factor to analyze to improve it and aim to lose a little bit over a long period of time as opposed Terrific. to a lot over a short period of time because they just don't work in the long term yeah, and I think there is evidence-based gimmicks. Like, there are things that people can use. So, for example, if you eat crunchier food, you'll be more full. So You eat crunchier food? You'll be more full. So what and they with did, that, you don't mean crunching no cornflakes. <laughs> no. So what they did is they gave people a crunchy apple or applesauce or apple juice, and they gave it before a meal and said, what sort of impact does it have on the meal? And if you ate the apple, which is crunchier, there was a 15%, you ate 15% less calories at that meal. So one of like when people want gimmicks, I do give them gimmicks and I'm like, OK, fine. You have to eat a crunchy apple before uh, breakfast. You have to eat a carrot before lunch and two sticks of celery before dinner. And that actually has been shown to reduce natural in your the amount of calories you take in by around 15 percent. And it's not from the fiber in the food, in the skin, in the skin. You're, you're just full up a little bit more. And you see, the thing is, you're all those kind of your full stop eating signal start when you chew. And I don't think people spend enough time chewing. 
oh, I remember that from the last 10 time. to 20 rule. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, though, is having soup before dinner. And I think that's a great one, especially in wintertime. So if you have a naturally lower energy or lower calorie soup, so it's just made on vegetables or it's a broth or something like that. If you have that before dinner, on average, you'll eat 20% less calories at dinner. So that's around 135 calories less at your dinner time, just because you had a soup. And like most people like soups and when they come in from work, it takes the edge off the hunger and stuff like that. Winter and soup and stews and broths go together. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's like the best time. A few weeks ago, we did a podcast of top winter tips and it's actually one I put in which was stews and broth and soups make them because it's like the yummiest thing in winter when you come in from either yeah. a session or even from work and they're warm and lovely See, and yeah exactly yeah they are they give you a hug from within um, <laughs> but I think also um, you know in the summer times or the spring times the salad before dinner does work as well and again there was studies showed that when the salad has less than 100 calories which isn't hard to do it's just loads of vegetables and a plate um, it actually decreases the amount of calories you eat in dinner again by 12% so sometimes it's just by having a little bit more vegetables basically in your meals mm-hmm. or before your meals or crunchy fruit and veg that will have the big impact. And what it does is also le- increases our fiber intake. So we know that if you increase your, fi- let's put it this way, 80% of Irish people are fiber deficient. Not 80. E- 80%. So 80% aren't getting enough fiber. And if you increase your fiber by 14 grams, right, which will probably just give you the recommended daily, um, you'll actually naturally eat 10% less calories. Okay, so give me a visual on that fiber then. So if we're trying to tell people to eat more fiber, uh, what does the RDA look like in terms of, you know, in terms of apples or something? Oh, um, in terms of, well, it's 25 to 35 grams. Okay. And fruit and veg per serving gives you one to three grams of fiber. Okay. And then there's some ones that give you a little bit more, like mangoes are especially high, berries are, pears are. Berries are high in fiber. Yeah, beans, peas and lentils, super high in fiber. But if you increase your fiber intake, you'll naturally eat 10% less. Like instead of having to actively try and make yourself eat 10% less, this is doing it passively. So without thinking. And that ties into the whole color recommendation, which is eat more, you know, more color on your plate. So color yeah. vegetables on the plate, uh, it fills you up more, gives you more fiber but and naturally makes you eat less. Yeah. And it also naturally reduces the calorie density of the meal. And when we naturally reduce the calorie density of the meal and watch our portions, we will feel as full, but eat around 56% less. Wow. So, you know, that I think is a crucial takeaway for people, you know, just to make sure that they are getting enough fruit and veg. Like the more veg you put into your diet, the lighter and every day, the lighter you will be next year. So if you want to be leaner next year, you just put in an extra piece of veg at breakfast, lunch and dinner and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. It'll be done, you know, so it's, it can be as simple as that. And I like that one because it's me telling people to eat more and not less. Which the fir- which is the first time anyone will have listened to a fat loss episode of any podcast or listened to any show and been told to eat more. Yeah. Um, and eat more vegetables, which is great. Because a lot of the time it can be keto, it can be just pure protein uh, that people try to eat. But keto, this is the misunderstanding with keto. Keto is actually 80% fat, 10% protein, 10% carbs. Keto is low protein. Is it so that high all, in fat? And that low in protein. So you see all these keto posts on Instagram and I just don't have the time to police them all but like I just want to be like you can't like you're talking about 50 grams of protein a day which if there's two or three chicken breasts that's very low oh no but not even that Carl one there's one to three grams of protein in a portion of vegetables 
So you, you, there's no room for steaks or chicken breasts or much of them if you do have them. Like it's what? extremely low protein. It's a, you know, and it's 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 the same amount of. So if it was ten percent protein, ten percent carbs, you're around fifty grams of protein, fifty percent or fifty grams of carbs, which is nothing. It's very hard to do with protein. So when I see all these so-called keto diets on Instagram, I'm like, that's not keto. Because a lot of the ones that are pushed are super high in protein, exactly. two and three chicken breasts and a bit of veg. So they may be low carb. But they're not keto. And, th th you know, and, and I just want to you know, tell that person <laughs> off every time. So, no, they're low carbohydrate diets. But, you know, what keto is, is low carb and low protein. And super high in fat. Super, like 80%. Wow. Which is it. And, you know, if you think about it, in a portion of nuts, there's seven grams of protein. So it's not a case of just eating loads of nuts and seeds either. You have to be careful with the amount of protein they contain. So it's actually just eating a hell of a lot of oils and fats and Huge. butters. Yeah. You know, so I think people have this misunderstanding that to go keto, you get to munch on peanut butter all day. You don't. It's too high in protein. Wow. It's all fat. It's all cream cheese and fat. And <laughs> yeah, no, not good. Olive oil drinking a day. Let's avoid that one without a doubt. Folks, you are listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Lay Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. From today's episode, what I really wanted to get and why I brought Orla on board is to kind of blow away a lot of the myths, a lot of the supplement concepts, a lot of the nonsense that's out there in terms of fat loss when it comes to health. Because personally, I don't. I think it's dangerous. A lot of the things that we're reading, a lot of the things that we're seeing, and unquestionably, a lot of things that we're taking, both in terms of supplements, both in terms of steroid use and steroid abuse, that is so prevalent in Ireland right now. And on the Real Health Podcast, we reach out to experts to come in and guide us on the way to actual real health. Orla Walsh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.